This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Necessary Roughness, brought to you by Southfield Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. With 11-year NFL veteran, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and captain of the National Championship Michigan Wolverines, John Jansen. And 10-year NFL veteran, two-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, and Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, T.J. Lang. Now, here's John Jansen and T.J. Lang. Well, TJ, we are finally done with the conference championship games. We know who's going to be in the Super Bowl. It's going to be the Eagles uh, for the second time in five years. Uh, And the Chiefs, it seems like they're always uh, in the mix. Uh, They've been, obviously, what, AFC championship game five years in a row. They finally get a chance to go back to the Super Bowl. They down the Bengals. What was your takeaway from from last weekend? Um. Well, first to start, I think that is that might be the best weekend uh, for football uh, championship weekend. Uh, I know, like the wild card weekend now is great when when you have the extra game, when you have the extra teams yeah. in there. But uh, championship weekend for me has always been like the weekend of football. Well, it is. You know, except you for get, the Niners. Well, Steelers right. Game was yeah, dog. and it wasn't a great game, but just like leading up to that weekend, you finally get you're down to the four best teams. It's so yeah. fun. Uh, to watch. I mean, I had the pleasure of playing in three of those. Uh, one of them was really ahead, great. One of them was uh, one of them was sad, and one of them was just uh, <laughs> downright <laughs> pissed you off. But, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. Br- I didn't mean to uh, rub yeah, that in a little bit. There. I was in three of them. Oh, only won one though, so okay. not a great uh, yeah, batting yeah, percentage yeah. there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ended up in the Super Bowl. How'd that go? For yeah, you? that one was fun. That was All the right, fun you son one. Of a bitch. Yeah, but we also had a couple very bad memories from that weekend. You um, got memories. Is what I'm it, saying. It was. Uh, I thought. You know what? Obviously, that first game. It is what it is. I mean, I, I wasn't necessarily surprised. Uh, by the fact that it turned into a blowout, especially once, you know, the quarterback started yeah. going down. I mean, Brock Purdy, uh, elbow pretty torn up. He, he's going to need surgery. And, you know, the backup Johnson goes out with a concussion. I mean, there's not much you can do. Um, before that, though, I was a little bit surprised just, you know, with San Francisco's game plan. You know, going into that game, it was like, okay, I – I think you're an underdog. I think everybody's kind of been on Philly. You know, you got a, you know, obviously a rookie quarterback. You're going to have to do something uh, creative at some point in that game uh, to either, you know, get the momentum on your side or get a splash play, get an explosive, whatever it is. And they came out and it was just almost like a, almost like a preseason game plan. Like we're just going to run, run, boot, boot, run, run, boot, boot. And it wasn't working. And, you know, they didn't make any adjustments until after their quarterback got hurt. I mean, they're trying to block, you know, Philly's great defensive ends with, you know, the first time was a backup tight end. Then the next time was a, 
you know, a receiver trying to come down yeah. and thump him. And, and it's like <laughs> you put those two and two together. One was a sack fumble. The other one should have been a sack fumble. And, oh, you blew your quarterback's elbow out. You know what I mean? So well, I was yeah, I but, was underwhelmed with the San Fran game plan offensively. But that's kind of what they had been doing, and it worked for them with Brock Purdy at quarterback. They had protected him extremely well. And I don't mean this to dog on Brock Purdy. What he was able to do – as a rookie coming in at the end of the year for a team that had Super Bowl hopes. I think he handled the pressure. I think he handled the moment. I think he handled the situation extremely well, as did Kyle Shanahan and the entire coaching staff. I mean, they've got a team built around him to be successful, but they did a lot of things to protect him, like run the ball, play action pass. They didn't expose him to too many down-the-field passes. There were times throughout the last seven games of the season where Brock Purdy did put the ball at risk, and whether it was dropped interceptions or guys just you know tipping the ball away, it, it wasn't like they went out there and were lighting the world on fire with Brock Purdy. So it was a similar game plan. Yeah. It had been successful to this point, but to your to your point earlier, you get the four best teams in the NFL going at it in the conference championship games, and you're going to need more than just run the ball and play action pass. Yeah, and that that's kind of was my point is you're playing the Eagles. You're playing, you know, arguably the best defense in the in the NFL. You're playing uh, at their stadium, right? You're not playing Seattle anymore. You're not playing Arizona. You're not playing the Raiders. You're not playing some of these teams that you can get away with that yeah. uh, against that type of game plan because you just you're just better than them. You have better athletes. You have better one on one matchups. But when you play in these types of games and and you look across the board and everything's pretty evenly matched, uh, it, it's just it's frustrating to just kind of see uh, such a vague style of uh, attack you know and that was early in the game I mean obviously we didn't get to see the entire game plan uh, play out due to the injuries that they did have um, that that was just kind of sad the rest of that game I mean it <laughs> Philly was just trying to they're running the ball on third and nine like just trying to waste the clock and yeah. San Fran's running it on fourth and seven just like now you take the ball back it was that, that whole game just turned out to be kind of sad but um when I, I when I combine I think I guess everything and even going into the Cincy uh and, and and Kansas City game there too I think the biggest thing that stood out to me much like it, it has really it did in divisional weekend as well is how important it is it, to build, you know, your team up front on both sides of the ball. I mean, Cincinnati's downfall, they got away with it last year. They got away with having a bad offensive line last yeah. year. Joe Burrow was just good enough last year to make a couple extra plays and get them to the Super Bowl and almost have, you know, be a couple plays away from winning. This year it caught up to them, you know, and I know it wasn't by – I mean, they had Lyle Collins, their big right tackle free agent, hurt, right? Jonah Williams, left tackle, broken kneecap, whatever it was. Alex Kappa, another big free agent signing, you know, blew his ankle out in, yeah. in the wild card, right? So it's not it's not necessarily your fault, but uh, it, it, it caught up to him because Kansas City's defensive line completely dominated that game. And that should have been, in my mind, that easily could have been uh, – you know, a game like we saw in the NFC Championship where it could have been a blowout. Yeah. Um, but the only reason that game wasn't was because, you know, on the flip side, Cincinnati's defensive line is pretty damn good as well. A lot of, uh, you know, I, w I wouldn't say, you know, perennial star type players on that team, but just solid guys. And and that 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 was kind of the narrative that I felt 
uh, Sunday night after the games and even Monday going back rewatching them a little bit was, man, you got to build it up front. You just have to. In today's NFL football, uh, it's always going to go back to the big guys. We obviously go through spurts. You know, every 10 years in the NFL, there's going to be some cute new fad of, hey, running quarterbacks are getting hot again, right? And that lasts for, you know, maybe a couple years or, you know, hey, teams are scoring a bunch of points. That lasts for a couple years and, and teams start to catch up to you. It all comes back to your offensive line and defensive line. And I think that all four teams – um, in that played in, in divisional weekend, were arguably Philly's offense and defensive line arguably arguably the best. You know, San Fran offense defensive line arguably the best. Kansas City same thing. Uh, Cincinnati, if they didn't have injuries on the O line, you could say the same thing about them too. That was that was really the storyline that I took out of it. And I guess kind of you know I watched this through a little bit of blue lens as well. Honolulu blue lens, right? Yeah. How do we compare to these teams? What would it look like you know with our team uh, playing in one of these games against these teams? And offensive line wise, I mean we you know. Yeah, we know we're 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 almost there, right? It'll depend on, you know, they got a spot at guard to fill up uh, this offseason. but uh, defensive line, that's where it's like, okay, man, you get a couple more pieces, you could you could turn into one of these teams pretty dang, pretty damn fast. Well, and so to that point, when you're looking at the free agents that the Lions have, um, and I know there's some guys up front, um, offensively, backup guys that. Do you think it's worth the investment of bringing back an Evan Brown? Uh, worth the investment of going out in free agency and trying to figure out, okay, we know, we know we've got to address the right guard spot. The other four spots, we've got incumbent starters coming back and they're under contract. But what if we have an injury? Do, are we, like, like Cincinnati was plagued with injuries. Now, are, are, is anybody really in a position to – recover from three starters going down probably not but what if frank goes down obviously we saw last year evan brown goes in but then it creates another hole that that you've got to fill if a guard goes down like where are the lions in regards to the depth up front both offensively and defensively regarding the guys that are on the roster and should you would think the lions would make it a point to resign yeah and their depth is definitely a concern i mean when you look at Three of their top backups this year, Evan Brown, uh, Matt Nelson, and Dan Skipper, who played a lot of ball, are all pending free agents. You know, those are three guys that uh, you, you relied on pretty heavily uh, this past season to, to get you through and plug in and play. And we obviously saw that. Last year it was with Evan Brown at center for, you know, the – 13, 14 games, whatever yeah. it was. This year it was a lot of guard for him. Um, certainly a better center, I would say, uh, than guard. But he brings a lot of value to your team. Now, the problem is, <laughs> you know, he's got a lot of film out there now. And yeah. he's got a lot of good film. And he's got a lot of good film at two two different positions. Uh, teams value and seek that style of versatile player uh, to, to come in and, hey, whether they want you to start at guard or start at center and know you can be a swing guy, you had a ton of value. Um, the problem that I see is did he kind of, did his play kind of price your team out of it, right? Are you going to pay your sixth lineman essentially, you know, 10 12 million a year because I wouldn't be surprised if that's the market for Evan Brown. Damn. It, it, it's gone crazy. And I kind of go back and look, I, Graham Glasgow was a player that had a couple more years of experience uh, than Evan Brown did, uh, at, at least starting. Um, 
pretty similar players, though. I mean, just good, solid players, right? And, and Graham, you know, a couple of years ago left to go to Denver, I think, for about $12 million a year, right? I think that's just the market's rising. It is for offensive linemen. I mean, it's crazy. It's great to see, first of all, but it's yeah. wild that, you know, you could sit there and look, really, backup center, $10 million a year? Well, we look at him as a backup center, backup guard. Somebody else is looking at him as, as a day one starter, a guy we're coming in to be our starter. Um, and I don't think that the opportunity is going to be there for him. Uh, I don't think that he's a guy – with how good that he's been, how solid he's been and, and admirable he's been filling in, I don't know if he's a guy that the front office necessarily, lo- necessarily looks at and say, we want this guy to be our long-term solution at right guard, which is the open spot on the line. Um, he just doesn't really fit that body type uh, of, of, of what they're looking for. So I think he'll be tough to resign. And I think, look, he probably deserves and wants a chance to go be the guy somewhere else. I think he's shown that. Uh, he doesn't want to come back here and probably be a a backup to anybody, um, which you know, totally understand. Um, you know, when you look at the other guys, Matt Nelson and, and Skipper, I mean, those are two guys that I think are – would you make them priorities? I mean, I don't know if I would make it, you know, my number one priority, but those are two guys that add a lot of value to your team as well. We know how much uh, they like to run the extra lineman and as the, you know, sixth guy, the extra tight end out there on the short yardage or, uh, you know, goal-to-go situations that are very beneficial to them. Um, those are guys that I think you could get – probably at a relatively fair price. You know, I don't think that you're going to be competing with other teams that want to see, hey, we want to bring these guys in as starters. They're not at that level yet. Um, So those were two guys that I would look at as far as the swing tackle position to bring back. Um, But they've got to build build a little bit more depth on the interior, right? We've just seen injuries. You you saw with Frank in 2021, right, missed – well, you know, a majority of the season. We saw him even last year. I mean, he played, played every single game with barely practicing throughout the week. You know he was in a lot of pain. I don't want to start labeling guys as injury prone, but things do happen in the NFL. You do have to have a good uh, a good plan. Now, the good part is I think you can go out, whether it's getting um, – <clears throat> I don't know. They're going to have to take alignment at some point, whether it's a second, third, fourth round. Or whether it's you know somebody a, a veteran from around the league that you can get at a good price, I think you feel comfortable comfortable putting a good solid player in there at guard based off of a what kind of offense you run right. I think the offensive line is pretty well protected in this scheme. I don't think there's too many times where those guys are asked to go you know one on one thirty thirty five times a game and you know we just got to be better than you. And, and B, I think anybody you put next to two. Uh, Pro Bowl type players and Panay Sewell and Frank Ragnow, um, they're immediately going to step their game up just playing next to those guys as well. So uh, Evan Brown, it would be surprised to see back, but you know the rest of those depth guys, uh, I think could add value, and, and it would be good to at least keep the continuity of that group. You ready? Showtime on May third. Summer starts with the Fall Guy. We do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. 
a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Obviously, none of us ha- are privy to the medicals of, of Hal Vitae. What are you hearing or what do you anticipate the Lions doing with him? Is is he going to be able to recover from the surgery that he had earlier in the season that kept him out all year? Is he going to be uh, a salary cap savings by cutting him and trying to use some of that money elsewhere? Um, yeah, I think that... Uh we're probably not going to see him in a Lions jersey again. Um, and to be honest with you, and I don't know this for fact, uh, I think his back injury he had last year was pretty severe, just everything reading between the lines. Yeah. And I think he did end up uh, – I think they – if I'm not mistaken, they, they did say he had surgery. Yeah. Anytime you have a back surgery, that's obviously – That's a huge uh, question mark Yeah, that's flag. especially at, at his age, which – uh, you know, he's 30 years old now, right? Um, old bastard. If I had to guess, yeah, old <laughs> old ass. Uh, if I had to guess, I would say he's going to be a cap casualty. Um, and, and honestly, I don't think it's a tough decision, right? Yeah. The guy missed the entire year. Um, he's 30. He's making uh, due to make $12 million, which is, I mean, for a player that, can't stay healthy and miss the whole season at your age. From that amount of money. You just can't. Unfortunately, you can't depend on on him being out there for you. Um, you know, every single week. So I I wouldn't expect to see him back. And look, I think the savings. Um, you know, if they got rid of him, were to be. Yeah, I think it was right around. Um, six million dollars or so. So, yeah. um, you're gonna have a little bit of a dead cap hit there. Um, actually, let me pull it up. I just. Uh, so as, as, I, I, mean, I wouldn't expect to see him back, and it's the same thing with a guy on the defensive side of the side ball with with Michael Brockers, right? right. Older guy. We obviously know that um, you know he's got one year left. Probably, I don't think anybody expects to see uh, him back, and he no. didn't even play. You know, the we last half season of the, the last year. couple of right. years. Vitai, yeah, Vitai would be you're saving about six million, and and with Brockers, you know you're saving about four million. So when people see the cap number at you know we only got twenty two million, look, you can make moves, and you're already up to thirty two million. They they got four or five guys they can restructure, add more. Um, they're going to have some cap space this year to go out and, and at, at least, in my opinion, get one or two um, day one starters defensively. Yeah. 
So uh, we talked about some of the you know uh, free agents up front. Obviously, you know DJ Shark was on a one-year deal. Uh, some of those other guys, skilled guys, uh, are going to be up. Do you expect that wide receiving room to change very much in regards to? Let's basically say DJ Shark. Do you think he's back? Mm, that's a tough one too because he's a guy that when he like towards the end of the season you saw some of the potential, right? But. He was he, he didn't play a lot there. He was hurt for what was it four or five weeks, kind of in the middle of the season and yeah. the first half of the season. Um, I don't know if it was just the chemistry or whatnot, but the production just wasn't there. Uh, look, I, I don't think that DJ Chark is going to demand uh, a ton of money on the open market. I mean, you just signed him for a one year. Um, you know, I think it was ten million last year, kind of a prove it deal. Did he do enough to prove it that you want to invest in him in, let's say, a three-, four-year contract? For me, no. Um, now, would they be willing to try to do the same thing as another one-year contract to, you know, hey, let's see if you can do it, stay healthy, because he's still – he's 26 years old, right? He doesn't have a ton of tread on the tires. I think he's still got a lot to give uh, in this league. But they've got – I mean, the question is – how how much can you stockpile that room without you know without overspending not without overspending but without uh you know taking some weapons off the field right if you got a stacked room what does that mean for Jamison Williams right he's obviously a guy that they invested in heavily last offseason are you depending on him uh to be your number one guy uh, if they are, then you don't bring DJ Chark back because we know that Amon Ra would be Amon Ra and Jamison would be one and two, and I don't think you put you know that type of cap and that type of uh, investment into what could be a third or fourth receiver on your team. Uh, it all depends on what they think, and I, I, I obviously I think we all know that they're hoping and depending that Jamison Williams will take a step uh, this offseason heading into next year. But um, DJ Chark, it, it would depend on the price tag. I don't think that he did enough that I would say, you know, this is a cornerstone guy. We need him back. He was huge for our offense. He certainly made some nice plays, but um, I guess just not enough for me to – sit here and say, yeah, I think he's a guy that should put a priority on. And it, it all depends, too, on what the market is. We saw last year the the free agent wide receiving market was flooded with a bunch of guys. I don't know that there's a lot of guys out there this year. I know uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, his contract is up. He'll be a free agent. Um, there's only a couple other guys that are really, you know, I wouldn't even necessarily premier guys. So having said that, there might be somebody that's willing to play pay DJ Shark more than the Lions will for all those reasons you just mentioned. They're not going to put a bunch of assets in the DJ Shark when they want Jamison Williams to be one. Yeah. They want Amon Ross St. Brown to get more balls. Um, and, and there's look, so much movement with wide receivers, too. I mean, just remember last offseason with – you know, it was a wild, wild all West. the trades and yeah. receivers moving and this and that. New and, contracts. Yeah, and it's like, I mean, I'm, I don't know if there's any guys out there that have come out yet, but it, it's guys are starting to move around. You know, we have, there's one guy, you know, DeAndre Hopkins. I think his name has been thrown around the last couple of weeks is, you know, not really wanting to be in Arizona, looking to move on. I mean, you know what I mean? Like even yeah. last year up until, gosh, you know, almost the season was Debo Samuel. You know, he was talking yeah. about how he wanted he didn't want to play in in San Fran anymore. There's going to be a couple guys that'll be available now. We'll just see how Brad Holmes feels about this team. Is this the year that he feels, hey, I can go get a guy like 
a Hopkins or if Debo Samuel wants out or, uh, you know, we saw it with Hollywood Brown last year. Can you get a guy like that? Are you close enough that he's going to make an impact on your team? Maybe he makes those decisions this year. We know he wasn't comfortable doing it last year. Um, let's see where he's at this year coming up in a couple months. All right, so defensively, we talked about some of the, the, the current roster players that are going to be free uh, up front. We, I think you and I both agree, and you said it earlier, the Lions need to continue to build up front. Is Isaiah Bugs a guy that they want to re-sign? John Kaminsky, a guy that they want to re-sign? Alex Anzalone. I mean, there's a number of guys defensively on a defense that played much better in the second half of the season, but you still got to take into account what you know what those 17 games were like for for this defense. Yeah, and the big name. I mean, Kaminsky for me, I think would be the priority. Right, I, I've kind of been surprised that they haven't got anything done with him yet, to be honest with you, because uh, completely different defense last year when he wasn't on the field. I mean, mm-hmm. he missed the three or four games there when he broke his hand or wrist, whatever it was, and played with a club. But that was not a that was not the same defense. They weren't applying the same pressure. Uh, they weren't stopping the run nearly uh, at the same rate as as they were when he was in there. And he's like we he's just. He's a blue-collar dude. He's not an all-star type guy, but he's one of those rock pieces that I think every team needs. And he's a big part of uh, of what they did defensively in the second half of the season to turn that around. So he would be a guy that I think, yes, I would say, let's get it done, right? I don't know what those numbers are going to look like. I don't know if you're looking at, hey, you know, the, the rotational veteran D tackles at five, six, seven, eight million a year. I don't know. Um, but I think he's very valuable to this team, and I think he proved that. And he he's even come out publicly saying, you know, he wants to be here. You yeah. know, hey, guys, come on. My phone's open. Give me a call. All right? This is where I want to play. Uh, he would be the priority for me, at least defensively. And, look, Alex Anzalone's a guy that, you know, coming off of uh, back-to-back, you know, one-year prove-it deals himself, uh, I thought he had his best season as a pro last year. I mean, certainly has – uh, some limitations, we all know that, but uh, you keep building the defensive line. You keep bringing in a couple more pieces. That's only going to make those uh, linebackers' jobs uh, a little bit easier. And I thought that he did take a big step last year when it came to production and um, when it came to you know the little small things, the awareness, the uh, the mental ability to track what's going on, knowing when to be in the right spot, right. Um, just anticipation. I thought he. I thought he took a big step. So he would be a guy, as well that you know they decide to bring back. I think. Uh, I think would be good for the team. How important is it? I know Romeo Aquara has got another year. Um, he signed a three-year deal. Uh, played a couple of games. Had the torn Achilles. Came back uh, second half of this season. Um, do you think he's a guy that they? They've targeted as, hey, we're going to let him play out his th- his third year, or could they save money and and either go in the draft, get another edge guy, um, you know, go to free agency, get an edge guy that's maybe a little bit healthier? Um, is he a guy that you think they'll bring back, or will be he will he be a cap savings? Uh, I, I that'll be interesting because I think they have a decision to make um, with him 
and Charles Harris. Yeah. I, I think that Charles one Harris of, also entering the last year of his deal. Yes, and I think that one of those guys is back, and I don't think one of, one of them is gone. Like, yeah. I just – you just get that feeling, right? It's almost a – starting to get a little bit of a busy room there. We know we got Aiden on one side. If you bring back Kaminsky, he plays D-end in the run game. Uh, Romeo, we know James Houston, you know, hopefully keeps developing as a pass rush, third down type guy. But, uh, you know, do you really have room for all these guys, especially at the price tag, right? We know Romeo's due to make almost 15. Uh, Charles Harris is right around eight. If you cut Harris, you're saving another four. Uh, if you cut Romeo... You know, you're saving about seven. So you're going to free up some money either way. Um, I think they, if I had to pick right now, I would say, you know, ride with uh, Romeo for one more year just because I think he brings more as a complete defensive end uh, than Charles Harris does. Charles Harris has kind of been that uh, gadget type third down guy. And yeah. that's, we know, hey, James, James Houston, Houston looked pretty damn good in that yeah. role. So uh, I, I would, I wouldn't be surprised if they got rid of either of those two, but um, you know, obviously if I had to lean one way, I would say, I think Romeo brings more to the team than, than what we saw Charles Harris do, especially last year. And look, some guys get injured. It's not always their fault. Uh, just is the, it, it is what it is. Well, you dropped the the, the fact earlier, uh, the, the the humble brag that you played in in three NFC Championship games. You went to a Super Bowl. You won it. And we'll talk more about the Super Bowl next week. But with that bye week, with two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl, what is this week like heading into Super Bowl week? It's a bye week, but it's hey, all you know, everything, all the eggs are in one basket now. Yeah. Um, Gosh, going. I'm sure it's changed a little bit, but you know, I remember this week. This would have been twenty, the, t- the 2010 season. So what, February of 2011? Yeah. Um, it kind of that first week was like almost like a training camp week again. It's like you get an extra week to prepare. I mean, we were in pads like three straight days. It was like, what the? F- I mean, come on, man. Like this is Damn. like week twenty for us. Like, yeah. what are we doing? But you realize you got that extra week, and uh, just uh, the one thing I remember is just the the tempo, like the feel around practices, meetings. Everything was so different, right? Because everything's on the line now. Yeah, and with that comes more pressure. With with that came more more stress. With that came more, um, you know, attention to every little single detail, right? You see guys that hey might not necessarily been spending you know ton of time in the in the cold tub and and in the weight room now guys are packed in there right because they're trying to leave no stone left unturned right you're trying to give everything you got for one last game um, just the feeling that kind of went into those that that first week of preparation uh, was it was just incredibly unique. Right, you know, you've got two weeks off. You're not playing a game, and the weekend, you know, you usually get the weekend off. Um, you know, whether that be a Friday, Saturday, or Saturday, Sunday, which I don't know. They're not doing the Pro Bowl this year. They're doing the skills, yeah. but um, you know. And then once you rev it up next week, it's like it's just on. the intensity. I mean, yeah. it was like training camp practices. I just remember going out there practice, and guys are hitting, man. Guys are you laying each other out because your adrenaline it's probably the closest uh simulation in practice that you get to a game because everybody's adrenaline is just freaking jacked man like you're getting ready to play in the 
the motherfucking Super Bowl. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> You're getting ready to play in the Super Bowl, man. Like, it was just uh, such a fun week. And, um, man, I'm glad I got to experience that. It was I was a young player when it happened. It was only my second year. Um, but it was just so awesome watching the vets, man, watching the dudes who played 10, 12, 15 years finally get that chance uh, to prepare for that. was uh, It was special to be a part of, for sure. Well, we've had a chance to talk about the Lions. Current guys on their roster, free agents. We'll talk more as free agency approaches in March. The NFL announced the salary cap is going to be just shy of $225 million. The Lions will have some money to spend. They can create some more opportunities to spend. But next week, we're going to get together and give you our Super Bowl preview. The Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Philadelphia Eagles in the desert. It's going to be a great matchup. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. TJ and I will get a chance to talk more in-depth about it next week, so stay tuned. Make sure you like, subscribe, and you always have us downloaded when we show up in your inbox. That's Necessary Roughness. We'll catch you next week.